There's a, something that's altogether different when you know that the enemy is trying to distract and the enemy is trying to steal, to kill, and destroy. And I believe that for many of us in this season, yes, the, even in the midst of this, what the Lord is allowing, yes, there are some things that, that the Lord is going to produce through it. But what he wants to produce through all of us right now is this expectant now faith. Hebrews 11.1 1 says, now faith is, right? Amen. I know it may not be the proper way to, to, to take it out right now, but I feel like the Spirit was saying to me, and you probably even heard a message about this, but it's now faith. It's not tomorrow's faith. It's right now faith. Amen. Right now faith. Yes. Now faith is the oh, substance. Yeah. The, uh, <laughs> the evidence of things hoped for, the substance of things not seen. Did I lift that up? Reverse it. Reverse it. Yeah. Scratch that reverse it. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> now faith is. There's a now faith that the Lord wants to give us. Yeah. Because today is the day that we are promised. Amen. Yes. I mean, guys, remember the, the quote? I, I, I may, may not necessarily be Bill Keen, but he's the one that I could, as far as doing my uh, short amount of research on this phrase, I remembered it. I wanted to attribute it to the right person. In 1994, how many guys remember Bill Keen, the writer of uh, The Family Circus, those, those awesome little cartoons that would be in the Sunday papers? Well, in any case, he said, yesterday is a mystery. I mean, excuse me, yesterday is history. Tomorrow is a mystery. But today is a gift. That's why they call it the present. Oh, cool. Ah, oh, yeah. <laughs> I'll say that again. You can write it down. That yesterday is history, tomorrow is a mystery, but today is a gift. That's why they call it the present. And that goes right in line with scripture. That's not like it was just a, 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 an amazing phrase from Bill Keen. That's straight out, of the, straight out of the Bible that you are promised today, that you are promised right now. And I can't help but go through the passages of scripture and think about faith in this way. I don't want a dormant faith. I don't want a faith that says I am consistently hoping for something in the future, Amen. in something in a mystery, in something that may be one day. How many times that will, have we said in our lives that someday, someday I'm going to see the Lord heal my family. Someday I'm going to walk in, in a greater measure of understanding of Scripture. Someday I'm going to see... I'm going to see that salvation in my family. Someday I'm going to come into a place of freedom from, from this bondage. Someday, fill in the blank. I'm talking to you about today. You are not promised tomorrow. So for, for many of us, you are at a point in your life where you need to be like that, that woman. That, 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 that woman that came through the crowd and pressed and pushed through the crowd. Looking for the hem of Christ's garment. I don't know how many days she was in that, in that someday phase where she was saying, someday I will be healed, or someday I hope I'll be healed, or maybe I'll be healed. But all of a sudden, for, for her, that day there was a crossroads. That day there was an intersection where God met her, but really she met God. Because she said, today is the day. Yeah. Today is the day. Enough is enough. I've got to reach the hem of his garment. And I believe with expectant now faith that the moment that I touch the hem of his garment, I will be healed. We need to come into that place today. I don't know where you're at, 
But whatever the enemy has lied to you in saying that it's okay for these tumors to be here. It's okay for this cancer to be over there. It's okay. It's normal. You know, you're going through flu season. You, you can have the flu. No, it is not normal according to the book of book of book of books. According to the, according to the word of life. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a little excited. Go ahead, preach. Come on. I'm telling you. Either this is true or it's not. Either it's true or it's not. Either we can continue to break, bring the bar down to say that, you know, we can live in normalcy in the sense of the world's eyes, or we can come and step out into the supernatural. Yes. Cliff, you had healing rooms this week. Have you been talking about this? <coughs> you probably could preach this message today. I'm telling you, the expectant now. The expectant now. Amen. God's promises are yes and amen. amen. When Jesus stepped on the scene, did he heal all the diseases? Yes. Look it up. Look it up. Except where there was no faith. Everyone he came in contact with, he healed their diseases. Yes. He either chose to do it or he chose not to because of their faith. There was amazing things that took place as Jesus walked this earth. And he starts out with one that almost feels like it's an impromptu, right? It's an impromptu thing that, that, that goes on. Open up your Bibles again. John chapter 2. It says, on the third day there was a wedding in Cana of Galilee and the mother of Jesus was there. Now both Jesus and his disciples were invited to the wedding. And when they ran out of wine, the mother of Jesus said to him, they have no wine. Jesus said to her, woman, what, what does your concern have to do with me? My hour has not yet come. Now we know if, this, if Jesus was living in the South, Jesus would, would, would be dealt a blow at this moment. <laughs> he might not have a jaw left to, be able to speak his next words. But nonetheless, listen to the story. His mother said to the servants, whatever he says you do, do it. Now there, were set, now there were set there six water pots of stone, according to the manner of purification of the Jews, containing 20 or 30 gallons apiece. Jesus said to them, fill the water pots with water. And they filled them to the brim. And he said to them, draw some out tomorrow. Draw some out yesterday. Did you have this prepared already? Draw some out now. And take it to the master of the feast. And they took it. When the master of the feast had tasted the water that was made wine and did not know where it came from, but the servants who had drawn the water knew, the master of the feast called the bridegroom and he said to him, every man at the beginning sets out the good wine. And when the guests have well drunk, then the inferior. But you, you have kept the good wine until last. No. We commonly quote it that way. But it says, you have kept the good wine until now. Right now. In this moment. It wasn't a matter of, of, of saving the best for last. It was a matter of Christ was on the scene and this was a now moment. It didn't matter if it was the first glass that they were drinking or the 27th glass that they were taking out of that, that pot. Whatever it was, when Jesus came, it was now. It was now. Yes. 
When he comes on the scene, it's a now moment. Do you need a now moment in your life? Yeah, Are you tired of dealing with when is it going to happen? I'm, uh, someday in the sweet by and by, I'm going to yes. see victory. No, I'm telling you, right now. Amen. Right now, the, wor the, the world is looking for a church that says, here I am, send me. The world is looking for a church that is full of expectant faith. That is able to walk on the scene and say, you know what, you have an addiction. You know what, you have a disease. You know what, you have a hopeless situation. Guess what? Right now, the kingdom of heaven comes near to you. And everything changes. Yes. Everything yes. changes. I know a Jesus that turns water into wine. I know a Jesus that heals the leper and takes the blind and restores their sight. I know a Jesus that steps on the scene and says, right now, right now, right now, you are set free. I know a Jesus that met a, a thief on the cross who recognized his situation and said to him, today, right now, in this moment, you will be with me in paradise. I'm talking about the now kind of a God that we serve. Don't lower your expectation because you haven't seen it yet. Don't adjust your theology because you've never experienced it. Now faith is. Now faith is. Hallelujah. Turn with me to Psalm 1 real quick. Those of you that have quick fingers. The rest of you keep your finger in Matthew 6. I told you we're going on a quick journey. Some of us get to this place. Verse 1. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly. Amen. Amen. Nor stands in the path of sinners. Nor sits in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and his law, yeah. in his law, he meditates day and night. Yes. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth in fruit, or brings forth its fruit in its season. Yes. In its season. I'm telling you, right now is a now season. Amen. You look at some of the trees outside right now, some of them are budding, but the others still look like they're dead. There's, there's no foliage on them yet. Wouldn't it be a foolish thing for you to, to go through your garden right now and just tear everything up and, and take everything out because it hasn't produced fruit yet? Wouldn't it be a foolish thing to do because it's about to spring forth, right? Yeah. It's about to produce fruit. I'm telling you, the season is here. The time is now. Yeah. That we need to recognize that the fruit is coming in season. Whose leaf also shall not wither. And whatever he does shall prosper. The ungodly are not so, but are like chaff which the wind drives away. Therefore the ungodly shall not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall perish. Let's back up back to, to verse 1. It says, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly. Yes. How many of you guys right now are sitting under the counsel of the ungodly? Just be honest with yourself. What are you taking in? Have you sat in front of the television and listened to the news and all of a sudden, you know, the coronavirus, my goodness, all, uh, the world is about to end. Stock markets are crashing and, and, and schools need to close. Airports need to close. We can't do anything. We can't buy anything. We can't sell anything. We just got to put a pause on life. What foolishness. Yes. Amen. 
or foolishness. Coronavirus is covered under the blood of Jesus. Amen. I don't care where it came from. I don't care whether it That's came right. from That's the engineering true. of man for ill intent or where it came from. It's still under the blood of Jesus. The, uh, the counsel of the ungodly. You, have, you go into the workplace. You go around your friends. Telling you some things about your situation. You know, I've been in that place. You know what happened to me? I stayed there for 10 more years. I never broke free. Maybe one day I will. You listen to the counsel of the ungodly. The counsel of those that speak everything contrary to the scripture. That speak everything that says that today is not the day. Tomorrow may be the day. But you know what? We're not promised tomorrow nor stands in the path of sinners. In the path of sinners. What path are you on today? What path have you allowed yourself to come into? Maybe you find yourself in a rut. Maybe you found yourself in the lifestyle of sin. Maybe you found yourself on a path that doesn't lead to life and righteousness and godliness. That doesn't lead to a place that brings you to freedom. But it keeps you on a path that goes even further into a lifestyle that does not fulfill and sets us in a place of tremendous pain and suffering not intended by God. Nor sits in the seat of the scornful. Now some of you can hear this word and you can say, you know what? I'm standing in the house of God. I'm not standing in the path of the ungodly. I'm not standing in the, in, in the, in the path of sinners. I'm standing in the, ha in the house of God. I worship when it comes time to worship. I praise when it comes time to praise. I dance before him. This isn't me. But you say it while you're sitting here this morning. Sitting in the seat of the scornful. Sometimes we get into that place where we think, oh, that's not me. That's not me. That's, that's somebody else. That's some, that, this is a word for somebody else. We sit and become comfortable in the seats. And as we grow in the Lord, we say, in the day of yesterday, in the times of yesterday, we experienced tremendous moves of the Holy Spirit. We saw God do the miraculous. We saw God set people free. I've seen salvation. I've seen myself witnessed to hundreds and thousands but today you find yourself sitting in the seat of the scornful. Saying, yes, I've experienced the goodness of God. And it's okay to remember the deeds of the Lord. But there's a time when we get into the place where we sit in the seat of the scornful and saying, yeah, I've been there. One day, someday we'll experience it again. Someday we'll experience it again. And I'm telling you, it's time to get that out of our heads. Amen. To get that out of our minds. It's not someday it will happen again. Get up. Get out of your seat and say it's time for the expected now. Today we will see it again. Amen. Today we will see the miracle, miraculous hand of God in our lives, in our city, in our nation, and in the nations of the world. To get out of the seat of the scornful and walk in the places of righteousness. To be those that get into the word of God, not out of a place of regimen, but allow it to wash over us, to fuel us, to fill us, so that we can be connected to his heart and rightly discern the times. Hallelujah. Matthew 6. Hallelujah. Picking up in verse 25, real quick. Therefore I say to you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink. 
nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air, for they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns. Yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? Which of you, by worrying, can add one more cubit to his stature? So why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. And yet I say to you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Now if God so clothed the grass of the field, which today is, and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore do not worry, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For after all these things the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. Therefore do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Some of you need to recognize you've been in a place of anxiety for way too long. You've been in a place of worrying for way too long. And the Lord needs to simply remind you again, out of the faithful hand of a father, the faithful loving speech of a father to say, have I not provided for you? Have I not provided for, for the sparrow? Have I not provided for the lilies of the field? Have I not provided for you in the past? I will do it today. I'll do it tomorrow. I'll do it always. Always. That is the God that we serve. Don't allow any situation to come into your life that you think is too much trouble for the Lord. We serve a God that is a God of the impossible. We serve a God that comes again on the scene with an all-expected now type of situation. He comes into the scene and everything changes. And some of you, you need that right now. You need that right now. You've known it, but I'm speaking so that your hearts could be filled with the faith of God so that you would step out and say, you know what? Enough is enough. Amen. Enough is enough. This anxiety that I feel, this worry, this weight of life that I feel, it's too much for me. And you know what? You're right. You're absolutely right. I'm not saying you give yourself a lobotomy and you just disconnect from everything. I'm saying you own what has happened you own what is going on in your life and you say to God, I trust you. We sang that song, Spirit, lead me. I'm learning to trust you and I will obey. Yeah. I will trust you and I will obey. You know what is, the word of God says to obey? Trust him in this. Amen. Cast your cares and your anxieties upon him. See what he Amen. will do for you. See what he will do for you. Don't get caught up in the Sundays. Hallelujah. Turn with me to 2 Kings chapter 5 quickly. 2 Kings chapter 5. I know we won't be able to get all the way through this. But while you're heading there, I'm going to read you another verse. Is it okay that we're on a journey? Well, you're turning the second Kings, and if you need to know where that is, it's after first Kings. <laughs> <laughs> the Old Testament. 
<laughs> in the Old Testament. Yeah. Amen. Some of you love this verse, but let me remind you of it. Isaiah 43. Isaiah 43, verse 19 says, Behold, I will do a new thing. What's the next word? Now. Now it shall spring forth, shall you not know it? I will even make a road in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. That is the God that we serve. He makes all things new. He says, behold, I will do a new thing. I will do it, but also, when am I going to do it? Right now. Right now I am doing it. Will it not spring forth? Will it not bud like those things outside right now from the trees, from the land? Will it not bring forth fresh life to you? Will I not bring forth water in the, in the place of a desert where it seems like there is nothing? Where, where, where Hagar is in the middle of the desert saying, I'll just leave my son underneath this tree to die. And then all of a sudden, God opens her eyes. And lo and behold, there's a well for them to draw from. Amen. The Lord makes water. He makes streams. He makes wells Hallelujah. in the wilderness, in the desert. Yes, it's already there. Yes. It's already there. Just open your eyes. Open your eyes. I want you to look into this story of Naaman. In 2 Kings chapter 5, verse 1, it says, Now Naaman, commander of the army of the king of Syria, was a great and honorable man in the eyes of his master, because by him the Lord had given victory to Syria. Keep in mind, this is, this is the enemy's camp that we're talking about. This isn't Judah, this isn't Israel. We're talking about the enemy's camp, the, the kingdom of Syria, who is, who's really brought much turmoil to, to the nation of Israel, even though because of their sin, they brought a lot of it upon themselves. Let me just say this. Early rabbinical teachers have thought that Naaman was the one whose arrow actually killed Ahab. And if you know who Ahab is, that brings a whole another level to this story, and I, can, I don't have time to get into that today. But Ahab, those of you who don't know, was Jezebel's husband who allowed Jezebel to run amok in the nation of, of, of Israel and, and allow uh, immense turmoil to, to, to take place. And Elijah had to battle it for years, for years to come against the Baal worship, against the idol worship that was instituted because of of Ahab not taking his rightful place and, and, and allowing this to take place. But nonetheless, this is that Naaman who is here. It says, because by him the Lord had given him victory to Syria, he was also a mighty man of valor, one of the only Gentile folks to be attributed with this term, mighty man of valor. Others you would hear, like David, you would hear of others within the Old Testament, Gideon, you would hear mighty man of valor attributed to them. But this supposedly ungodly man is contributed or attributed this term. And the Syrians had gone on raids and gone out on raids and had brought back captive a young girl from the land of Israel. She waited on Naaman's wife. Then she said to her mistress, if only my master were with the prophet who is in Syria. Samaria, hallelujah. <laughs> For he would heal him of his leprosy. She's talking about Elijah. And Naaman went in and told his master, saying, Thus, then thus said the girl who is from the land of Israel. Then the king of Syria said, Go tomorrow. 
No. Are you seeing a pattern? Are you seeing a pattern begin to, to dwell up? Even the king of Syria says, you know what? This, this is a time, this is a Kairos moment. This is a moment where things could change for my servant, my mighty man of valor. He says, go now and I will send a letter to the king of Israel. So he departed and took with him 10 talents of silver, 6,000 shekels of gold, and 10 changes of clothing, basically a lot of stuff. The, the 10 shekels of silver, well over a million dollars. You know, a lot of, a lot of things were going, going with this company. And he, the letter said, now be advised when this letter comes to you that I have sent Naaman, my servant, to you, that you may heal him of his leprosy. And it happened when the king of Israel read the letter that he tore his clothes and said, Am I God to kill and make alive that this man sends a man to me to heal him of leprosy? Therefore, please consider and see how he seeks a quarrel with me. Obviously, they are not on good terms. They are not on good terms. And the king of Syria, perhaps thinking maybe he can sweeten the deal, send all this stuff with him and, and soften his heart so that he can... You can do whatever. Basically, there's an element of, of, of urgency. There's an element of desperation in the heart of the king of Syria for his servant Naaman. I'm telling you, if the ungodly can come to a place where they experience an expectancy like this, when they experience a desperation like this, how much more should the children of God come into a place where we have expected now faith to say, God, would you not heal? Would you not set free? Would you not come forth and do a new thing in my life? Would you not come forth right now? Right now and bring revival to my city. Come forth right now and bring a change to the immorality in my nation. Come right now and, and break off the, the, the callousness and break off the, the blinders on the eyes and, the, and, and remove the deafness and, and take out the, the, the voices that have been speaking death and destruction and come forth and allow your clarion to call. Your clarion call to come from a, a pure and spotless bride that I'm saying right now, now is the time. Don't wait for it. Don't, don't wait for your finances to be in order for you to step out in faith. Don't wait for everything to be perfectly lined up when you have the scriptures memorized. When you have everything according to your own natural understanding. That isn't faith at all. It says now faith is. Is what? Being certain of what? What is it being certain of? That which is not seen. If it's not yet seen, that means it cannot be tangible. It cannot be already received. It cannot be an understanding that you've already taken, taken hold of. There's an intersection that takes place. And there's a glorious now moment that happens when the uncertainty of the world intersects with the certainty of God. And a now moment happens. The God of all ages comes in and things are totally changed and transformed. There is no certainty in this life but God. There is no certainty in this life for tomorrow. But there is certainty in the now moments of God. Amen. So it was. When Elijah, the man of God, heard that the king of Israel had torn his clothes, that he sent to the king saying, Why have you torn your clothes? Please let him come to me and he shall know that there is a prophet in Israel. Amen. Basically what he was saying was, Let him come so that he can know that there is a God. 
Don't shun the public. Don't shun the world because they are the world. Yes. Don't shun the world because they carry on a, a, a disease. They carry on distress. They carry on a mindset that is contrary to Scripture. Don't, don't say, oh, they're homosexual. Don't say, oh, my goodness, they've got this mindset. Oh, my goodness, they have this political affiliation, that political affiliation. Don't cast them out. The true man of God will say, let them come. Amen. Let them come. Let them know that there is a God in Israel. Let them know that there is a God in Concord, North Carolina. Let them know that there is a God on whatever street it is that you live on. On Witherson Drive in Charlotte, North Carolina, people can come to my house and they can say, there is a God that lives. Amen. So it was. Hallelujah. Let them know. Verse 9, then Naaman went out with his horses and chariot, and he stood at the door of Elijah's house. And Elijah sent a messenger to him, saying, Go and wash in the Jordan seven times, and your flesh shall be restored to you, and you shall be clean. But Naaman became furious and went away and said, Indeed, I said to myself, He will surely come out to me and stand and call on the name of the Lord his God and, and wave his hand over the place and heal the leprosy. You can see the, the turmoil that's happening within his heart. Don't we even respond the same exact way? Are we no different than them? Don't we look for the man of God to wave his hand over you and give you the place of, of freedom when, when, when the wisdom of God and the discernment of God is speaking through the prophet Elijah to say, no, I don't even have to come to you. You need to respond out of obedience. Just like Jesus would come into the place and not answer their questions, but give them another question to go at where their heart was. The same thing is happening here with Elijah to set Naaman free. Yeah. You're not looking for a magical genie. Yeah. You're not looking for something that, that, that mimics the world. You're not going to, to a sorcerer. You're not going for the magicians today. You're not going for those that, that, that are spiritual in your age for an answer. We're talking about the God of all gods. Amen. We're talking about the one true God. Amen. We're talking about the Lord of hosts is his name. We're talking about Yahweh. Yeah. We're talking about the ageless one. Yes. So he goes on and says, are not, have not. Far, far, I'm glad I wasn't born in this age. <laughs> or maybe I would be doing better, I don't know. <laughs> the rivers of Damascus, better than all the waters of Israel, couldn't we go to any other place? Yeah. Couldn't you take me to any other place to wash and be set free? Couldn't you take me to any other pool? Could you take me not to any other house? Could you not take me to any other building? Could you not take me to any other place? Could I not wash in them and be clean? So he turned and went away in rage, and he sent, or, and his servants came near and spoke to him and said, how many guys need some good people around you that can talk some sense into you? Not counsel of the ungodly, but some people that can say, hey, you know what, you're, you're missing this. We need to see the other side of this coin. We all make these decisions. We don't make the perfect reaction every time. We, we have those moments when we just simply get offended. What offends you? What offends you? If you find yourself having something offends you, perhaps you're at that now moment. Perhaps you're at that moment where you need to press through the veil of offense to be able to reap 
the reward of what Christ has produced on the cross. Maybe you have to go through the offense of the cross. Maybe you have to go through the offense of like the woman uh, asking for her daughter to be healed, for Jesus to call her like a dog, to go past that offense in order to move into the now moment of, yes, your daughter is healed even now. Amen. Right now. To go through the offense. On the other side of the fence is victory. On the other side of the fence is your breakthrough. Amen. On the other side of that which holds you back and, and, dis, and deals with you most intricately and, and rubs you the wrong way the most is an indication of where you need to go through so that you can receive this glorious now. So these, these awesome people come around him and they said, My father, if the prophet had told you to do something great, would you not have done it? Oh, my man of God. How much more when he says to you, wash and be clean. So simple. So finally he comes to his senses and he says, might as well give it a shot. So we went down and dipped seven times in the Jordan, according to the saying of a man of God. And his flesh was restored like the flesh of a little child. And he was clean. Such a beautiful picture. Dipping down. Basically saying, identifying in this. I need to be washed. I need to be clean. I need to have this obedience. Sometimes there's more than one time when you need to say to the Lord, I trust yeah. you. Yeah. Sometimes there's more than one time when you need to say, Lord, I will obey. I will lead, lead out in this and I will trust that you will do exactly what you said you will do. Every time, humility going down under that water. What was being dealt with was, was, yes, he was a mighty man of valor, but he didn't need to be a mighty man of valor to say that because I'm somebody, I deserve to be healed. Yeah. No, what he needed was, I am humiliated in this, and I have need of a Savior. I have need of a God that is a God of the impossible, and I have an impossible situation. So seven times humiliated, seven times going under the water, seven times being baptized into this place. Finally, to come up with perfection that Christ's spear comes and sets him free and washes him clean better than he ever was. It says like a child, yeah. not name it as an old man, but name him like a child. Yeah. That is the God that we serve, the God of the now, the expectant now. He was clean. He was clean. I won't go into the rest of the story, but you can see all the foolishness of, of the people of God, even in the moments of tremendous miracles where you have, you have a servant that goes in and gets greedy even after a moment when they, he sees God move. After this moment, nonetheless, Naaman is able to go face to face with Elijah. And for some of us, we need to come face to face with the Lord. We need to come face to face with that which holds us back, that which offends us, that which needs to bring us to a place of freedom. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. My wife always says when I say hallelujah too many times it's because I'm trying to figure out what to do. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> That's mainly because I've got three passages that I could go to and I want to give you the right one. <laughs> Let me close in this passage and Mike, I'll ask you to come bring your tea. 
1 John chapter 3. <laughs> Are you sensing this? There's some things that the Lord is calling this body to as a local body that we're about to step into that does not make any sense. You know what? That should excite us. It doesn't mean that we're a bunch of yahoos running around looking like we need to do something crazy. No, we're going to do something with purpose and effectiveness because why now is the time? Now is the time. Now, today is the day. This is what you need to recognize. Behold, verse 1 of chapter 3. Behold, what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us that we should be called children of God. Amen. Therefore, the world does not know us because it did not know him. Beloved, now, now we are children of God and it has not yet been revealed what we shall be. But we know that when he is revealed, we shall be like him. For we shall see him as he is. And everyone who has this hope in him purifies himself just as he is pure. Just as he is pure. Lord, let us know that we are those that when we come into your presence, when we come into the understanding that we are children of God, that right now we walk in the fullness of this. We walk in the fullness of a new nature, of a new, new destiny, a new place. With the Lord. I know I said that was the last one, but I got to read this. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Verse 11 of Colossians chapter 2 says, In him you were also circumcised with the circumcision. I'm just going to proclaim this over you so you recognize who we are in Christ. With a, with, <laughs> circumcised with the circumcision made without hands by putting off the body of the sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ. Buried with him in baptism, in which you were raised with him, with, through faith in the working of God, who raised him from the dead, and you being dead in your trespasses, in the uncircumcision of your flesh, he has made alive together with him, having forgiven all your trespasses, having wiped out the handwriting of requirements that was against us, which was contrary to us. And he has taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross, having disarmed principalities and powers. He made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them in it. So let no one judge you in food or in drink or regarding a festival or a new moon or Sabbath, which are shadows of things to come. But the substance is of Christ. Let no one cheat you, yes. uh, cheat you of your reward, taking delight in false humility and yes. worship of angels, in, intruding into these things which he has not seen, vainly puffed up by all of these things. Verse 19, and not holding fast to the head from whom all the body nourished and knit together by joints and ligaments grows with the increase that is from God. Therefore, Therefore, we're in this moment, this now moment, if you died with Christ from the basic principles of the world, why is though living in the world, do you subject yourselves to regulations? Do not touch, do not taste, do not handle, which all concern things which perish with the using, according to the commandments and doctrines of men. 
These things indeed have an appearance of wisdom and self-imposed religion, false humility, and neglect of the body, but are of no value against the indulgence of the flesh. If then you are raised with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ is, sitting at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on things on the earth. For you died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ who is our life appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Skip down to verse 8. But now you yourselves will put off these things. Anger, malice, wrath, blasphemy, filthy language out of your mouth. Do not lie to one another since you have put off the old man with his deeds. And have put on the new man who is renewed in knowledge according to the image of him who has created him. Where there is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcised nor uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave nor free. But Christ is all and in all. He is in all. He says, put off all these old things today. Behold, right now, put off the ways and the wisdom of men. Put off what you think can allow you to ascribe into right standing with him. Put off all ungodly counsel and the counsel of, of the ways of the world that make you say, you know what? Do this and then you'll be successful. Do this and then you'll succeed. How many of those on Wall Street right now are freaking out saying, I don't know what I'm going to do tomorrow. Some say things are going to last. Some things say things are going to drop further. Some things, things are going to rebound. They don't know. But I'll tell you, who knows every moment, every hair on your head? Who knows your future? Who knows your today? That is the God of all gods. That is Jesus. That is Yeshua, the Messiah, that has come to set us, each and every one of us, free. To allow us to be baptized and to be cleansed. In the, in the baptism of not just water to wash us from our own life as a representation, but to baptize us in the fire of God, in the spirit of God, to say that we are now sons and daughters. We have been set free. We have been liberated. We can walk without, without hindrance. We can walk with expectation that right now, today is the day. Today is the day of our salvation. Today is the day of the healing. Today is the day that we will see it. You need a healing in your body right now. Stretch your hands towards the Lord. Stretch your hands towards the Lord. You stand inside, stand in the place right now, in place for someone else. We speak to Caesar right now online. We say, be healed. Be healed right now. Complete healing and restoration. We speak to Christine. We say, cancer, be God. We speak to friends. We say tumors, be gone, heal.